Welcome to www.killthatnoise.com. I'm your boy, the Cameron McMath. I got my man, Joe Son, with me. And today we have the special privilege of joining us, former NFL, CFL, offensive tackle, and now commissioner of the State's Development Football League, Mr. Garrick Jones. Garrick, thank you for joining us, man. Man, I, I I wouldn't want to be any other place than right here with you guys right now, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. <clears throat> All right. Now, we know that it's NFL combine season. And the fact right. that you had an interesting path to, to the NFL, do you mind sharing that, sharing that with us? Oh, not at all, man. Uh, well, myself, I'm from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, or rather North Little Rock, Arkansas. I had the opportunity to play ball at Arkansas State University and uh when I came through Arkansas State University, uh, we were independent. So uh, we pretty much played everybody. I mean, we, we played LSU, we went to Death Valley, we played uh, Oklahoma when they won a national championship. Uh, we played Virginia Tech. I mean, we played all these teams back to back to back to back, you know, um, uh, at that time. So I had the opportunity to play against uh, 10 guys that were drafted first through the fourth round by my junior year, mm. uh, you know. Although we had our challenges as far as wins as, as a team, I, I did my thing individually. Right. I had a, had a lot of success like that. But uh, ultimately, with school, man, we had a lot going on at that time. I had a lot going on at home. Uh, so um, by the time I was done my junior year, I pretty much was done with school. So I didn't have a senior season. So I went home and I worked. Uh, my mom, you know, she was ill at the time. So I, I didn't know how long I might have her in my life. So I had to make some, uh, some big boy decisions. But... I went home, man, and, and everything kind of panned out and leveled out at home. Uh, and, you know, we had a family powwow, and they said, look, uh, we don't we don't think that you're happy. Uh, so for myself, at that point, I wasn't. You know, I knew I was supposed to be playing in the NFL. Uh, I knew I had the chops for it. Right. Uh, and I was on a lot of different people's radars as far as scouts and teams. But ultimately, you know, uh, my path took me home. So, you know, everything panned out at home, and I decided to pack my car up, and I I left Little Rock, Arkansas, and chased that dream, man, and followed scouts all the way to L.A., and then from L.A. all the way down to Mobile, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> took about a year to do that. Took about a year to do that, but uh, eventually they started working me out. I mean, in the most adverse conditions you can think of. I mean, I was running my hotel, running my 40s in hotel hallways, um, <laughs> working out in mud, uh, you know, working out at 2, 3 in the morning. I mean, anything you can think of to break my spirit, but Ultimately, it taught me how to market and promote myself. Uh, it taught me how to talk to people. Uh, all the things as an athlete you really don't get into. So long story short, uh, uh, Jacksonville ended up giving me a chance. Uh, I almost got drafted without a senior season of college. Um, they, I was on the horn with them a little bit during the draft at that time, man. And I had traveled back to Arkansas State and was sitting with, with some of the fellas I had played with. And uh, they called me up uh, in the sixth round and said, hey, we might take you. You know, sixth round came and went, no call. Uh, they called me back in the seventh and said, you know what, I think we're going to try to pull this trigger. But seventh round came and went, and the phone rang and said, hey, listen, we got a ticket for you to come to Jacksonville. So uh, nice. that's how it started, man. That's how it started for myself. I mean, it's, it, took, it took a while, but ultimately it got me to that point. But uh, from there I learned about the politics of, of, of professional sports. So, you know, that's where we were. So, so let me ask you this, Garrett. Uh, you said you went home and then prepared yourself. So it's a lot of cats who preparing for the NFL Combine today. Uh, right. And it's going to be a lot of people that don't make it uh, to the Combine per se or get drafted right. and things like that. 
how long were you out of football before you got back into it and found your path into it another way? Almost a year and a half, uh, Cam. Uh, you know, it was, it was right at a year and a half. Uh, it was a pretty good amount of time, but, you know, I stayed active. Um, you know, the entire time, like, I learned how to be a professional without being paid to be so. Uh, so that's some of the things that these guys will have to go through, especially these guys that are going to the combine or they're at smaller schools and, and not get invited to the combine. They have to find different outlets, um, but they have to stay active uh, and they have to stay relevant. And that's what it's all about. You know, like you got to really learn how to market and promote yourself. I mean, I was doing drills in my backyard filming myself. (laughs) It worked. You know, I I made it look like it needed to, the presentation was what it needed to be. And I passed the look test and all of those different things. So that's what we did. Gotcha. So I'm going to put myself in the shoes of NFL prospect. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to get drafted. If I don't get drafted, what, what words of advice can you give me? to to not get down on myself to keep pushing forward well it's kind of like a double-edged sword because of the numbers game you know i think a lot of these athletes have to really understand the numbers that they're dealing with uh when Mm. it comes down to making it to the pros um there's 16,000 or so guys that are draft eligible each year and only 256 are going to get that call and that's to positions that are already taken um, so they have to be realistic. You know, they really have to look at the numbers and really understand that. And I think that gives them a leg up when it comes down to understanding business, because a lot of these guys are, are, are the best things since sliced bread. And, and, and really quickly you find out that you're not, uh, because you have to have something that differentiates yourself uh, from the next man. And all of these positions that these guys are getting drafted for are already taken. So they got to go take somebody's spot. Right. Uh, and he's yeah. a grown man with bills, babies, and problems, man. It's uh, So that's that. I would say just for myself, you just have to have a realistic ex- expectation. You got to understand the business of it uh, even before you get to it. So that would be the advice that I would give them, give these guys, man. Find you somebody that can mentor you, somebody that can teach you from testimony, somebody who's been there, done that, wrote the book a couple of times. If you're able to get to them, if not, uh, do your research, man. You got a wealth of knowledge uh, right there online. I mean, you're online anyway, so you know, yeah, figure it out. Definitely. So it's a dog-eat-dog world in, in this business. Like you said, these are grown men with bills and babies yes. who have to take care of their families. But yes. <clears throat> NFL, uh, you did the NFL and the CFL. Uh, so can, can you kind of talk to us about the differences uh, in preparing and, and what it was to be like up in Canada versus being in the NFL? Like, what were the changes for you that you had to adjust to? Well, for myself, um, you know, I was in Jacksonville first. Uh, Ended up working my way up the depth chart to, like, second string. Okay. But for me, in my position, I was a a security blanket until they signed the tackle that they drafted. So once they signed him, I was gone, you know. Um, I was out of there. So I went from 111 degree weather to negative 16 and it was raining sideways. <laughs> and I was 3,300 3, miles away from my family. So, and that was really my first time being out of the country. Uh, so it was a culture shock. Um, you know, I never really knew anything about the Canadian game um, because I was always NFL, NFL, NFL. And my, my agent was like, listen, you need to learn a little bit about the game because you're about to go up there. And when I got up there, man, uh, it was 12 men on the field. Uh, on either side, and I was like, whoa, whoa, and the field was bigger, <laughs> he uh, wider, longer. Yeah, man, and it was crazy. So, you know, for myself, uh, you know, football is football once you put the pads on, but just the rule changes, 
and those things like that and just the cultural differences uh once i got there man it was a lot like college because they can only keep you for four hours a day up there uh you know per the collective bargaining agreement up there so it was a lot different man it wasn't so time con constraint as far as having to be there all the time uh mm. but you know it's it's a good deal, man. I, I loved every bit of Canada, man. Uh, Canada was very good to me, uh, you know, on and off the field because I was always learning about business and dealing with people. But if you don't have anything to fall back on after you do those four hours, man, a lot of guys are just playing PlayStation all day. And that's not <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Definitely. You mentioned rule changes. Uh, so I do want to ask kind of your opinion just to go in, in, into it before we get on what you're doing currently. Uh, right. The NFL has taken a stance uh, in changing the rule to help protect the players because of all the different cases, CTE and concussion, things like that. What's your stance yeah. on all the rule changes and uh, where the people who are affected by these things as far as right. how they should be compensated, so to speak? Okay. Well, you know, the concussion issue is just that. Um, um it's football, you know, you're going to get hurt. Uh, it, it's a, it's a collision sport. So that's a part of it. And, and, and a lot of guys knew that coming into it, but however, um, because of the fact that you are generating so much money and so much revenue for a business entity, um, you need to be compensated, you know, for the, for what you put your body through. I mean, I, I joke around and tell my kids all the time that, you know, you know, uh, football ages you in dog years. So right now I'm about 85. Like, seriously. Um, I mean, over my career, you know, which was around 11, 12 years, I've had uh, multiple concussions around seven that I can remember, um, you know, multiple surgeries, so many different things. Uh, and, and, I, and I know that, you know, I feel myself slipping from time to time in regards to, uh, you know, memory. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my kids finish my sentences sometime, my wife the same way, um, you know, and she'll just look at me and say, hey, listen, you know, are you okay? And I have to slow myself down and really think. So to go through that uh, and to know that that's going to come and be a part of it, they have to have some things in place, man. Because, you know, when I played, I got paid well, but so did 52 other guys. And everybody right. else in the in, in the facility, you know, the owners were able to do that with a smile on their face. So at that point, I knew that, you know, we weren't being paid what we were worth. You know, we got paid right. really well, but uh, for the amount of money that we generate, you know, revenue-wise, um, we're not – getting paid as much as we we need to be because when you're done you got five years of insurance after that good yeah. luck to you um and and that's that's a hard deal man it's a hard pill for guys that are just beat beat to hell um because when it's when it stops i mean I, i've gone years without insurance uh and and it hurt and it wasn't anything that i really can do other than just try to work but hell i'm so beat up it's it's nothing i really can do so it's life man it's life yeah but keep folks entertained, so hey. Right. Now, now, what changes would you make as the commissioner? Well, um, changes, I mean, you would have to look at, you know, the safety of the equipment, number one. Uh, you know, those types of things. Uh, different techniques, um, different ways to keep the game fast, but at the same time more safer. Uh, you know, the concussion protocols and those things, I mean, they, they are really doing a, a good job with it or, or trying to. Uh, but a lot of this stuff is hindsight. You got you got to have yeah. foresight with a lot of these different things, man. You got to be proactive. Right. Uh, you have to teach this stuff. You know, yeah. these are things that have to be taught. And, and, and the NFL really doesn't do that. You know, they might 
gloss over it, but the bottom line is the bottom line. I need you focusing on the game plan every week. And by the time guys are done, they I mean, and, and the level yeah. of pressure uh, regarding keeping your job and then bringing guys in to replace you every week, you're not worried about anything other than getting those plays right and making sure you're doing what you're supposed to do on game day. That's it. Right. So, and and to mention you being commissioner, uh, like I said at the beginning of the video, you've had the opportunity to do something that a lot of people uh, would be afraid to do or weren't able to step out to do in starting your own league. And now you commissioner of the SDFL. Uh, so congrats on that, man. So I'm kind of excited to talk about that. I have had the opportunity to kind of experience and to see it for myself. So right. share with us uh, what the SDFL is and what players uh, can expect uh, come moving forward with the SDFL. Well, I, first off, I want to say, man, Cam, I'm, I'm very proud of you, man, because you're you're one of our first generation guys, man. And to be able to come back and support you in your endeavors, man, that's that's big for me uh, because I got a chance to watch you and you watched how this thing started and where we are today and the direction that we're headed. You'll forever, uh, you know, have residuals coming from this deal. So that's yeah. you're gonna be all right financially. You're gonna be good. Uh, but uh, for this deal, uh, for myself, man, like it's bigger than myself, man. It's something. It's something God gave me. Um, you know, I looked at how I made it to the NFL, and I, at the at that time, I didn't realize what was going on with it. Uh, but now that I'm older and I'm able to sit back and look at it, I say, you know, there's so many guys that, that need this opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, but not only need the opportunity to play, but need the opportunity to learn. Uh, so they can be in a position to make a decision on if they want to play or not. Because uh, a lot of these guys will be able to make uh, more money than they would if they were playing in the NFL with, with our platforms and those things. So they don't necessarily have to go through what I went through. Because uh, right now, guys, I'm hurting. You know, I'm not going to yeah. lie to you and sit and say I, I don't have migraines <laughs> every day, uh, slurred speech and all those different things. I have to really work at this deal. Uh, so what we want to do is give them options. Uh, but with the NFL, uh, you know, everybody's trying to get to the NFL. That's the end all and, mm -hmm. and for a lot of guys. And that's what they're, they've been programmed. But for for what we're doing is is, is giving these guys another uh, uh, an alternative uh, an outlet, you know, if you will. But uh, with a lot of these leagues that come and go, they don't forecast for non-fan support. Because mm -hmm. developmental football, people aren't really going to come to it because it's not NFL ball. You know, and, and that's what they have to understand that from the jump. So what we wanted to do is just make this thing even across the playing field uh, for everybody. Everybody from the tip top all the way down to the groundskeepers can can touch the touch the money in some way, shape, form or fashion outside of, you know, what, what we did when I was in the NFL. I got a check every two weeks. And right. um, that was pretty much it. I didn't touch concessions. I didn't touch ticket sales. I didn't touch parking. <laughs> I didn't get any of the merchandise sale money. Uh, so what we wanted to do was give guys as many different opportunities as possible. So we have around 30 different ways uh, that we generate revenue that people can touch, but we're teaching. So instead of playing every week, they play one week, and then the next week uh, it's a bye week. So we slow the game down for them, uh, teach them about different de different deals and positions, but we put them in classroom scenarios where they're learning about the businesses and entrepreneurship practices that we teach uh, these guys. So now they go from being a borrower to a lender. They go from mm -hmm. being a check chaser to a check writer. And uh, that's what we want. We want them to have that mentality. And by the time they're done playing with us after about three years, uh, now they're in the venture capital. So now we're talking acquisitions and we're putting our money together and we're, we're acquiring lead. So right. that's that's how this thing goes. 
Gotcha. So, so walk me through the the thought process of trying to establish and develop a league. Like, w what goes through through your mind at the time? Of, All right, I want to I want to do this. Um, for me, I've been here before. You know, I had to prove that I was supposed to be here, uh, and that was at the NFL. So the fact that I was able to do that when less than one percent of all athletes make it, and that's with four years of college and major universities, and I did it with three. I said, okay, I understand. And I've always been a, a hustler or a businessman myself. Uh, and, and for us to, to, to embark on this deal with myself and, and Byron Clay, who was the co-founder and president of this deal, uh, we looked at it and said, man, we need to we need to put business and pro ball in the same realm and really mesh it. So consistency. Uh, people got to see it. People got to see it. People got to see growth. Even if they don't understand it, like when we started in 2011, nobody understood what we were doing. Right. They were focused just on the games. Like, why are you guys not playing games every year? Right. And I'm like, nah, that's not. We we saw we could play games. Now we need to work on this business curriculum. Uh, we need to work on these financial literacy programs we have the next year. Uh, we need to work on these strategic partners. Uh, we just uh, finished off of our 501c3, so now we have our community initiatives that we have set up. So now it's a well-rounded machine. So whether we have one person or one million in the stands, we're profitable. And that's a hedge of protection, not only for the league, the fans, and the players, but for the investors and our sponsors that we're going to always be around. So as long as there's an NFL, we'll always be around because everything that we do is driven our volume. And once again, there's 16,000 guys each year and less than 1% make it. But 99% of these guys got bills, babies, and problems, and that's what we focus on. So it's, it's simple, man. Exactly. So for for the average guy, so there are a lot of guys who played in college who didn't get an opportunity to even go to combines or pro days and things like that, who do feel like that they are capable. They watch football on Sundays and Saturdays and say that right. should have been me, you know, it, oh, yeah, who, who, who want to who get that opportunity to prove themselves. <laughs> uh, right, so right. what kind of platform or space can, can you say the SDFL offers a guy like that who has not necessarily too far removed, but still feel like that I can get out there and do it? Well, the the, the platform is simple. It's the space for them to come out and prove themselves, but it won't be on conventional terms. What's going to happen is when they play, um, every game that they play, they're going to play a different position. So we're able to... Um, add a dimension to their film because nine times out of ten if you weren't drafted as a left tackle uh in the nfl you're probably not going to play left tackle the entire time <laughs> right, so you're going to need right. to play left tackle guard center you're going to need to deep snap you might need to be a, a ref and a few other things um you know though you got to show it's more you can do so we want these athletes to be uncomfortable in order to grow you got to be uncomfortable it's just like going to the gym if you're in there you ain't sweating you're in there holding up the machines i need you to move Right. Uh, yeah. And that's how it works. It's the same thing with the coaches and everybody else. We want everybody uncomfortable and everybody hungry. Uh, it's a performance-based business. Uh, our deal is just that. The same way that I operated on the field or the same way that uh, my business partner operated on the field and in the business realm, that's the same way we are right now, man. We're hungry. Uh, and we want people to understand that, you know, in order to benefit, you got to buy in. Um, mm -hmm. So you can make as much money as you want at this thing with, with us. Uh, but at the end of the day, you, you have to really buy into the process and learn it. Uh, so for those athletes, it, this is a platform. You're going to play a lot of ball, but ball is about 30% of what we do. 
Right. We focus on everything else that the NFL and CFL and any other FL uh, does not. They don't think it's sexy, uh, and they don't think they can make money yeah. from it, but really you can. The NFL would have made more money off of guys like myself than are retired now if they would have shown us business practices and finances uh, and were able to override percentages of what we do on a daily basis. But unfortunately, they worry about the TV deals and playing the game, and, and I get it, I get it, but that's the things that we wanted to set up for guys. We wanted to teach guys how to hunt. You know, right. fishing is cool, but we want to teach you how to hunt too. So for those that don't know what the SDFL is, uh, what are the rules? What are the, similar to the AFL that you have seven on seven, the NFL 11 on 11, what, walk us yeah. through, what, what are the rules? How, how many players is it versus each other? What, 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 more or less, what is it about? Well, it'll be your standard NFL rules. Uh, for the first two years. And then what we will do is we will uh, implement Canadian style rules as well. Uh, you know, those are the big two, you know, uh, and, and these guys need to understand what goes on in the Canadian Football League because they, that doesn't need to be a foreign language for them. Uh, it's going to be plenty of opportunity, but uh, what we try to do is just implement what the NFL is doing uh, to give them a good, you know, understanding of that. But one thing that we do with the players to take it a step further is uh, we bring uh, officials in in which they teach, you know, mm -hmm. the rules of the game. The yeah. guys know it. And then that gives them an opportunity to ref games and make money uh, during during the offseason. Right. So that's another way that we drive revenue for these guys. But it, 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 they have to become students of the game. Uh, and, and what we do is we just take everything that's going on right now with the NFL and the CFL and we, and we teach. And that's simple as that. Okay. Yep. I, I think that's uh, something that's very well needed that's – like you said, it's kind of overlooked a bit because you see so many athletes uh, who make the money and those type of things. Uh, like you said, yeah. they were given food to eat, but they weren't teaching, taught to fish and to hunt and things like that. Oh, yeah. And that when it's over with, uh, they'd be stuck in a predicament. So we can commend those type of programs. Uh, so where where could I, if, if I'm a guy who's trying to do it, like where – is the SDFL located? Like, where could I go be a part of this if I want to try? How does that process work as far as trying out and things like that? Well, for us, we have eight teams for 2018. Uh, we have two teams per state, uh, and we have two teams in Texas, which are in Houston and Austin. We mm -hmm. have two teams in Arkansas, which are in Little Rock and Fayetteville. Two teams in North Carolina, which are in Raleigh and Charlotte. And then we have South Carolina, which is uh, Columbia and Greenville. Uh, by 2022, we'll have 32 teams. Uh, our end game, team-wise, is to be in all 50 states, which we already have a waiting list, but they have to be educated on what we're doing. Uh, we just can't have you going out there and just having a team and you don't know what's happening. Uh, but the end game for us is to be in all 50. Uh, we might omit Hawaii and uh, Alaska because of logistics and just do four teams in Texas and four teams in Can uh, California because mm -hmm. of the size. Uh, but in regards to that, man, we have regional tryouts, man. We have, uh, um, we have broken the U.S. up into divisions where, uh, you have the Pacific West, you have the Central North, you have the Central South, uh, the Southeast and the Northeast. And these, this is where these guys will actually have the opportunity to go to the combines in those regions. And that's where we, you know, we break them down. Uh, we evaluate what they're doing. We even put them through a personality in indicator test mm. where we are able to learn about these guys before they even touch the field through uh, Equilibria's program 
with the with the e colors. Right. So we have their stickers on their helmets. The coaches know exactly what kind of player they are. Uh, you know, you know whether or, or, or do they need a lot of information before they act or are they yeah, yeah. starters? They know all that. Uh, so we want to make it that much easier and maximize the communication. But um, we're going to be in the town close to all these guys. Um, you know, with us right now, all you have to do is just uh, search the hashtag SDFM Reload. It's real simple. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know, we're on all the social media platforms. But just uh, search the State Developmental Football League and you'll be able to, to see what it is that we're doing, man. And I encourage. Matter of fact, I, I, I really push for people to get on the site and go to the frequently asked question session. We've taken all of the, the hotbed questions that people ask uh, about the programs where, you know, these monies come from, what they're doing, what are we going to do here? All these different things. We break it down and we say, Hey, listen, we need you to read because you know, as well as I know, a lot of these athletes are, 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 are real question you to death. And <laughs> yeah. They want you to feel. Yeah. And no, it's, it's it, this thing is about accountability and, and I hold grown people accountable. If this is your livelihood and this is what you say you want to do, I'll show you everything that I know. But at the end of the day, I need that. I need that energy from you. I don't want to. If I got to chew your food up and do all this to do the work, I'm going to go get paid again. It's really that simple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Cam mentioned the players. Now, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of a, I want to be an owner. What What are my steps to become an owner of a team? Well, for us, we don't have necessarily have owners of teams uh, like other leagues where, you know, individuals or organizations come in and purchase a team, but we do have team chairmen. Okay. The SDFL owns all of the teams. So your team chair will actually come in and there's an annual fee for that. Uh, and once the team chair comes in, the team chair comes in and he finds uh, general managers as well as team presidents for those mm. particular teams. Gotcha. So it's a three-headed monster. So those guys work together to, to find the, the talent, the coaches, uh, as well as marketing and promotion of the league. Now what the SDFL provides them is the vehicle. Uh, we put together commercials. We do this. We do that. The insurance. We pay for the stadiums. Those types of things. But it's up to those team chairmen uh, to put together a team that takes on their identity. And then from that, uh, we help them as much as possible to to, to put a, a winning product on the field. Because because this is the state's developmental football league. You want your particular team uh, to have the best uh, record at the end of the year right. uh, in that state. Because that actual state itself will 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 compete in the SDFL playoff against another state. So now there's a state pride that's, that, that is up definitely, for grabs. Definitely. Going to the SDFL. <laughs> As we grow, you guys are really going to see a real, real playoff uh, uh, bracket situation going on between the states. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, there's other stuff everybody else doing, man. It's cute. It's cute. <laughs> but we're going to show them how to do it. All right. So going back to your NFL days, uh, give me who was one of the funniest teammates that you that you played with? Mm, so many of them, man. You know, I've been a man. So many guys, man. Um, funniest teammate. I would have to say, possibly Milford Brown with the Texans, Victor Alate with the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, Marcus Spears, Chiefs yeah. and Texans. Uh, man, I had a lot of guys, man. I mean, I it, I've been a part of a lot of locker rooms, man. Yes. Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart, man. If you if you don't know how to get guys off you real quick, man, you either you're gonna quit or you're gonna you're gonna scrap. That's it. It's <laughs> yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta get them off you, man. Speaking of the, the Texans organization, uh I did see where they honored uh the retirement of Andre 
Andre right, Johnson right. uh not long ago and you was able to be a part of that. Uh right. so you hold a special place uh down in Houston, Texas, uh where you kind of got Garrick Jones Day. You know, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, right, so, right, right. So what what does they, that they, mean they, to you, you know, that to be able to be honored to be part of those type of things within when within that city and that organization? Oh man, that was big. But you know what? They said Dre was the first one to be yeah. honored. I said, no, Dre. No, I got you. I'm probably eight years ahead of you, champ. But yeah. uh but uh no, nah, that was big, man, because the city embraced me. They embraced my programs, the thing I things I was doing in the city, uh the homeless initiatives and all those different things. And I think in my situation, you know, it was the politics over playing time, you know, with the Texans. You know, once I got there, you know, I had got released. Uh, I was released from Kansas City. And when I came back from my first year in, in Canada, which was considered my senior season, uh, all the guys that I had worked out for on the road, you know, they were there and they saw me in pads and they said, this dude is real. Yeah. So uh, I worked out for like 14 teams when I came home from Canada. And, and the Texans were one of them. Kansas City was another one. Uh, but I had got released from Kansas City and they were going to bring me right back and put me on practice squad and pay me full price you know, as if I was active and all these different things uh, because they had paid me a little money and those things. But, you know, I told Dick Vermeil right before they cut me, I said, Dick, if you cut me, you'll never see me again. And 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 when they released me, he was like, you know what, we're going to try it and see what happens. I said, well, Dick, I'll see you on the other yeah. side. Damn, partner, because I'm not coming back. So the moment they cut me, I'm driving home. You know, my agent hit me up and said, listen, find the nearest airport. Houston, won't you? I said, let's get it. So anyway, Houston brought me in. They had a couple of guys that were booking and they had paid them a lot of money, you know, that, that type of situation. So I, I just had to sit and it was like that, you know, and they, they brought a couple of more guys in and they paid a lot of money. And, you know, unfortunately they didn't pay me a lot of money, but uh, I was yeah. there, you yeah. know, and I had a lot of teammates that said, man, look, you're supposed to be on that field. And I was like, eh, but <laughs> I learned about the politics over playing time. Uh, and I said, okay, well, I need to do something to make sure I'm going to stay here. They're not going to let me hit that field. Because of the because of the money, the politics, it wasn't a justification for putting me out there on the field. Uh, in regards to that, so you know, I made sure I was out there in the city and I won off the field. And uh, you know, I was good PR for the organization, man. So they kept me around. They said, "This kid yeah. is on to something." So you got you got to win where you can, man. Right. And it was a good deal, man. Houston has been a, a, a good city for me, man. Really good city for me. So, so October twenty fifth. Garrett Jones Day, City of Houston. Ice cream for everybody. Ice cream <laughs> for everybody. All day. <laughs> All day. <laughs> All right. So you, you said that you had to sit uh, behind a couple guys throughout your career. Uh, <clears throat> nowadays, we have a couple divas, quote unquote, in the league that they're all about me, me, me. Uh, right, what, right, right. What advice can you give somebody that, that's been that's in your shoes right now, that's waiting to get that shot, that's just grinding, 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 and just waiting for that one shot? Uh, all it takes is that one shot, you know. Um, realistically, man, you need to get in there and get vested <laughs> so you can take care of your family when when, yeah. when it's time. Uh, you know, and let the other stuff play out. Um, guys got to know their role. They have to know their role uh, coming in the door. And that's where the realistic ex expectations are. Um, once you come in, uh, you know, you just put your head down and learn that playbook uh, and find you a couple of guys that you'll be out there on the field with and you guys learn how to talk and communicate. Because uh, you need to do a lot of talking on that field. Uh, and that's, you know, you can't keep secrets out there. 
so you got to do whatever you can do to stay around because there really aren't any friends in, in an organization when it comes right. down to that. Because, right. You know, you're, 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 you're direct competition to them, man. And these guys have families that they have to provide for. Uh, and that's a lot of what goes on. It's a job, man. It's, you know, like I say, for myself, um, I had to I had to fight off guys every day. They were bringing guys in, in the mall, right? And, and and that's it. That's the doggy dog nature of this deal, man. It's a wonderful game, but a horrible business. Uh, and if you do it right, you you can take care of your family. But if you if you do it wrong, and a lot of times guys do it wrong, uh, you go through things. So they have to just learn from guys who've been there, done it. I mean, hell, I've been through bankruptcy, foreclosure, divorce. I mean, you name it. Uh, but you know, I always knew that okay, I was gonna be okay because I understood the business. And a lot of guys don't do that. You know, I have had right. countless teammates that said, "Man, I don't know what I'm gonna do when I can't play anymore." And I'm like, "That's <laughs> the wrong." Right? Because you're if this thing getting geared for you to play for when you sign that contract every year. That dollar sign goes up for you, so you're you're expendable. It's gonna yeah. always be somebody who's gonna be young and cheaper than you. So right. you gotta get out. Definitely. Definitely. So, so going back to the SDFL, I, I want to ask. So, seeing around different sports, there are a bunch of different leagues going with Ice Cube starting the three on three basketball, mm-hmm. Master P starting the league basketball, and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and P did it recently. Said and Snoop kind of wanted to buy a league or take part in these mm-hmm. type of things. So, if if I'm that guy and and I have it to give or to do. How can I invest or be part of the SDFL? Oh, man. All you got to do is just reach out to me, man. Garrick Jones at officialSDFL.net, and I'll break everything down for you. I mean, I had the opportunity to take this business model to uh, Babson College, which is one of the premier um, entrepreneurial colleges in the world out in Wellesley, uh, Wellesley Massachusetts uh, last June. And uh, myself with like 11 other former NFL guys had their business plans and those types of things mm-hmm. out there. Uh, and uh, after we went through it, man, uh, you know, the mentors and the professors, I mean, these cats were like, listen, how big do you want this thing to get? I said, uh, <laughs> in, 10 years, we'll purchase, we'll, in 10 years, we'll purchase the NFL. I did yeah. it without, without cracking a smile because I, I, I know what we have. Uh, but that's, that was the answer that they wanted to hear from me. They said, damn, okay, that's exactly what we wanted to hear. Uh, you have to have that type of ambition and understand that I have the numbers and, and numbers to back everything up. This is what happens because what we've done is we've combined the billion-dollar billion, billion dollar industry into football, sports, and then we've combined that with a trillion-dollar industry in network marketing with another billion-dollar industry in cryptocurrencies, and that's what we teach. Mm. Uh, and that's what we're putting guys in. And we know that we have the volume, 16,000 guys in the U.S. alone each year, Everybody can't go to the league. So if you're developing this talent and you're a funnel, um, since everybody can't go to the NFL, we'll be around. So uh, this is probably one of the more sound investments you'll ever make because you're going to make your money back and then some, and then you're going to have a a lot of different ways uh, that you're going to be able to take care of your family from the grave. Uh, It's a big deal, but it's football. 11 on on one side, 11 on another side is a party. It's really simple, but uh, when it comes down to the numbers, we're able to break it down to the – to the umpteenth number. And unfortunately, with a lot of these leagues that come and go, these guys have crazy budgets. I mean, ridiculous yeah. budgets. But what they do is they bring all these guys in, put them on salary, and they make guys that they bring in make two or three calls, and that's their day for the day. Yeah. They're not hungry. Yeah. You paid them. Yeah. 
you paid for something else that they did with somebody else. Like, no, it don't work like that. Yeah. I need you to be just as hungry as me. And our deal is you got to outwork us. If you're part of this deal, we're working. You know, I mean, my thing is I, I can't wait on the NFL to cut a check for concussions. They're not going to do it. You know, I can't wait on those different things because my kids can't eat ex- eat excuses. So this is the deal. I mean, you know, all these other stars, you know, like Diddy and, 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 and Snoop and those guys that, you know, had emotionally charged ranks at that right, time. Right, right, right. Um, it was a lot of emotion. Uh, if you're able to remove the emotion, you get a chance to get down to some good business. And uh, and that's the beautiful thing about it, man. We have that. We have the plan. I mean, we got the recipe. And uh, as long as the NFL is around, we're going to be here. Whether we're fumbling over pro- uh, products and programs or we're wasting money, we're always going to be here because we got the volume every every year. going to be a set of guys that are trying to get to the NFL. Never fails. Yeah. So we're ready. <laughs> Reach out, guys. We're in there. Hey, we're here. You know, that whole deal. <laughs> All right, so before we get up out of here, we're going to switch it up. We're going to go rapid fire at you. We're just going to throw questions, answer off the top of the sure. dome. Now the most controversial one we have, I feel you're you're more fitting because you're you're older guy. You you've seen LeBron and you've seen MJ. So who's better, LeBron or MJ? MJ. <laughs> Why? MJ. You've seen them both. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I've seen both. Uh, I say MJ just for the simple fact of um, what he's been able to, what he was able to do, and the fact that he will always make more money than LeBron in the long run. <laughs> yeah. 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 MJ will always be more more marketable than LeBron. Just that's what it is. I mean, LeBron is a great player. I will, I'll take nothing from him, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan, but business wise and the great, yeah, it's MJ. Yeah, let me, we can let cut me on the MJ cartoon. We can we can cut on the uh, the MJ and, and and Wayne Gretzky cartoon right now. LeBron ain't got a cartoon. <laughs> Not yet. Saturday morning. I need to see him. Next question. So I have right. to ask. Uh, out of the three, which is considered the greatest Mike? You got Michael Jordan, Michael right. Jackson, and Mike Tyson. In their time, who was the greatest? Hold on. You just hang tight. I'm going to show you who the greatest. <laughs> you see that young man right there? Mike Tyson. Mike, okay. In his heyday. The man. <laughs> There you go, Mike Tyson. He was fierce. He was fierce. He was that guy. Uh, how do I say? Floyd May- Mayweather is considered to be the greatest ever because he never lost. Floyd Mayweather right. versus Tyson at the same weight. Who wins? Mm, I say Tyson. I say Tyson just for the simple fact that the the ferociousness, uh, the, the power in the punches, the number of punches, um, because Floyd's going to get hit with a couple of them. And right. all it takes is one good one. Right. And, and, I mean, Floyd is, is a great defensive fighter. Uh, but you got to you gotta get him off. You got to stop him. Yeah. So, if he doesn't knock you out before he gets tired, I think I think uh, Mike would have knocked him out. So, question. Who goes down as the greatest quarterback of all time? Yeah. Do I have a choice? Or I just got to give you one. Because I'm going to tell you, Doug, we... Give it to me. I'm gonna give tell you, me, tell me why. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you Doug Williams. He's a historic dude, man. I mean, he he did something that no other quarterback of color was able to do. It was win the big show, man. I mean, 
before, you know, Russell and those guys. But at the end of the day, I say Doug. But if you're just going by wins, I have to say, eh, you know, Brady's always in that conversation. Hate him or love him. He, he, he has the stats to, to back that up. So he's always in that conversation, you know. I mean, he's just one of those guys that, uh, in, in the way he came into the deal, you know, six-round guy, you know, he worked hard. Kept head down and just happened to get into the right uh, um, uh, scenario with the right team, and that's a, a lot of time. It's all about the scheme. I mean, you can have a uh, a guy with a rating of thirty five, but if you got the right coach, perennial <laughs> pro bowl, that's how it works. But I say Doug, man, that's my dude. Doug's my guy. All right. So with the last question, I have to ask you got. Two, two, you got your last plate. You can only pick one of the two. You got seafood and steak. What do you have? I'm going to do seafood because it's light but heavy. <laughs> now, what are you putting on that plate? You got lobster, shrimp, tilapia. What you got? Uh, I'm going to do some shrimp. I'm going to do some fettuccine. A uh, little pasta with it. And uh, <laughs> something like that. Something to stick to my ribs. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> So, so G, we want to appreciate you for joining us. We want kind of want to wrap it up here. Is there anybody you want to thank, a shout out, or anything you want to tell the viewers or anything? Now's the time. Floor is yours, sir. Man, I, I just want to thank you guys for giving me the outlet, man, the opportunity to sit on here and ramble about, you know, what we're doing, uh, the direction that we're headed. Uh, and I just want to thank everybody for the support. Uh, thank everybody for the non-support, those types of things. We need that. Right. Uh, I thank you for the bullets that they've shot at us because uh, we need those too. <clears throat> that lets us know when you're right going in the right direction. Uh, and anything that you're doing, you're going to have people that don't want to see it happen. Uh, and that, that, that generally lets you know that you, you're making statements. Right. So, uh, I mean, I just I appreciate these athletes for continuing to try to, uh, to reach that goal. Uh, I, I, I want to just thank the support systems, the wives, the girlfriends. Uh, those types of things, uh, the families, all that, man, because uh, holistically, man, we're going to put this thing back together and, and, and we're going to uh, teach from these testimonies, man. So free enterprise plus football equals the SDFL. It's, it's bigger than the game of football. <clears throat> yes, right. Sir. So give it to us one more time, G. For any athlete, anybody wants to donate, wants to be part of this, give us the link in the Instagram. Oh, well, Instagram is uh, SDFL Network. Um, for us, uh, it's www.officialsdfl.net. Uh, you'll get all the information there. You can search out the hashtag SDFL Reloaded, SDFL Regionals, uh, and you'll find everything you really need to, to, to get. Uh, but that, that website really breaks a lot of things down for you. It's constantly being updated um, on a weekly and daily basis. So you'll see a lot of different things um, in regards to uh, nonprofits. You know, we are a nonprofit now, uh, so we have that component. Uh, so we are 501c3 compliant, which opens up a lot of doors to different organizations that want to get into the sporting realm. Um, so you know, anytime for investors or sponsors, this is a very good vehicle for you uh, to, to be very profitable for you. Uh, and at the same time, be beneficial to keep you involved with the game that, that everybody loves, and that's football. So. Right. Gotcha. So once again, we want to thank former NFL, CFL offensive tackle, Arkansas State. He was the yes, Indians sir. at the time, now Red Wolves. Yes, 
Mr. Gary Jones. Once again, this is www.killthatnoise.com. I'm your boy, the Cameron McMath, my man Joe Son, and we signing out. Wolves up. Yes, sir.